This is the Stanley Avenue Church of Christ. We're going through our weekly readings in Genesis 7 today. We're going to read through that text and make a few comments from it. Genesis 7 from the NET Bible. The Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, for I consider you godly among this generation. You must take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, the male and its mate, two of every kind of unclean animal, the male and its mate, and also seven of every kind of bird in the sky, male and female, to preserve their offspring on the face of the earth. For in seven days I will cause it to rain on the earth for forty days and forty nights, and I will wipe from the face of the ground every living thing that I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the flood waters engulfed the earth. Noah entered the ark along with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives because of the flood waters. Pairs of clean animals, of unclean animals, of birds, and everything that creeps on the ground, male and female, came into the ark to Noah, just as God had commanded him. And after seven days, the flood waters engulfed the earth. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month on the seventeenth day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep burst open, and the floodgates of the heavens were opened, and the rain fell on the earth forty days and forty nights. On that very day Noah entered the ark, accompanied by his sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth, along with his wife and his son's three wives. They entered along with every living creature after its kind, every animal after its kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that have breath of life came into the ark to Noah. Those that entered were male and female, just as God commanded him. Then the Lord shut him in. The flood engulfed the earth for forty days. As the waters increased, they lifted the ark and raised it above the earth. The waters completely overwhelmed the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the waters. The waters completely inundated the earth, so that even all the high mountains under the entire sky were covered. The waters rose even more than twenty feet above the mountains, and all living things that moved on the earth died, including the birds, the domestic animals, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth, and all humankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. So the Lord destroyed every living thing that was on the surface of the ground, including people, animals, creatures that creep along the ground, and the birds of the sky. They were wiped off the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark survived. The waters prevailed over the earth for 150 days. So this chapter is relatively straightforward and a little repetitive, you'll notice very um, emphasizing the fact that uh, the waters came and destroyed the earth, emphasizing um, the animals that were going to, onto the ark, emphasizing everything that was destroyed. But the purpose of the emphasis, I think, uh, draws us back to the severity of the problem. Why was this even necessary? Well, it's a total destru uh, destruction, a total judgment 
upon the wicked, and not just the wicked, but even what the wicked had influenced. And then it's also a total redemption of, of pieces, uh, little bits of the animals, um, samples, as it were, over, uh, over all the earth of all the animals and of mankind. And so God completely destroyed and he completely saved. And I think that's one of the, the big points of these, uh, these emphasis that we see. Interesting, whenever he says you will take seven of every kind of clean animal, then now the text here does not tell us what the clean animals are. No would have known. Um, interesting that, again, the Israelites, whenever they would have heard this, they would have thought about the clean animals that God had specified for them. Uh, are these the same clean animals specified for Noah? Perhaps. Uh, but clean, uh, that is to say, animals that represent uh, a good specimen for offering sacrifices, for even uh, eating. Uh, although it is clear at the uh, the end of the flood account that the uh, animals that Noah was allowed to eat were different from the animals that the Israelites were allowed to eat. But I think it's evident at the end of chapter 8 that these clean animals are intended for sacrifice, and Noah would have understood what animals those were. But God wants him to, to bring extra provision, seven, he says, seven pairs of the clean animals. There's high symbolism behind that seven number, right? God wants Noah to be well prepared, uh, perfectly prepared for sacrifice. And we don't see that he does that while he's on the ark, but after they get off the ark, he's going to be well prepared, perfectly prepared to offer sacrifices to God. So what God is doing is he is preparing Noah for offering thanksgiving sacrifices. And he wants Noah to be well uh, served uh, to be able to do that. Um, so he, you know, if, if Noah were to only bring upon one uh, kind of clean animal, well, then they might face extinction if they were to offer it. So uh, God wants him to think about that kind of a thing ahead of time. You'll also notice that there would be, in verse 4, seven days uh, before the flood waters would come. Uh, so an entire week in advance. So this, I think, is again calling us back to uh, the beginning of chapter 2, which focuses on the seven-day period of creation. And now this is going to be a seven-day waiting period before decreation. And so the way the flood happens, it decreates the world in a similar pattern to the way it had been created, where in the beginning the world started with the waters encompassing it, and then dry earth coming up out of the land, and then life sprouting. Now the, earth, the water starts to cover the earth, life dies, water completely submerges the earth just like it was at the beginning. And you'll also notice that uh, Noah and the rest of them were, uh, were on, the, on the top of the of the waters, kind of hovering over the surface of the waters, similarly to the way the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. But remember in chapter 2 that the Spirit of God, the breath of life, was placed into Adam. Other texts also mention breath of life being placed into animal creatures also. So the Spirit of God, the breath of God, the breath of life is still now hovering over the surface of the waters through Noah and the rest of the animals. It's also interesting to note the um, the recipients of either judgment or punishment based on their association. That all the animals, that all the 
things of, of land that had the breath of life, that they were destroyed, not because they themselves were sin, even though chapter 6 kind of reads like that, that every single thing on the earth was sinful, but they were affected by sin, just like the earth and the plants were affected by Adam's sin, even the rest of creation were impacted by the sin of mankind at this point, and so God is going to destroy all those things. That yes, even the animals, that they would suffer because of the wickedness of these people. But then also notice how Noah's family benefits from the righteousness of Noah. We don't know for sure whether or not Noah's family was righteous or not. Uh, Noah has problems in chapter 9, but some of his sons have problems in chapter 9 too. We don't know exactly whether or not the sons' wives were still influenced by the wickedness of the, uh, the rest of the world or not. But we do know that Noah is faithful, and other passages would lead us to think that a faithful head of a household is going to keep house rules. But uh, these others are still spared because of the righteousness of Noah and the righteousness that his uh, leadership represents. And so on both sides of the coin, you've got people who are saved because of their proximity to that which is righteous or that which is uh, destroyed for that which is wicked. And I think there's a good lesson in this for the Israelites. They need to be careful who they associate with. They need to be careful who they draw near to. They need to be careful how they associate with other people. Because they can find themselves, if any of Noah's sons or their wives had drawn themselves to the wickedness of the world, you can be sure that they would have been punished too. If you were, and I'm not necessarily advocating that this is the best way to read all the numbers, but if you were to add together the numbers, you would find that people like Methuselah and Lamech died the very year of the flood, indicating that perhaps they died even in the flood. That the rest of Noah, uh, ha, you know, the rest of his family, he had brothers and sisters. You know, uh, he he had cousins, he had nephews, he had nieces, he had the, he had family, and they were not saved. Likewise, we got to be careful who we draw near to, who we let influence us. So the sons and their wives, if for nothing else we can say this, that they drew near to Noah. And they drew near to the point that God allowed them to be saved along with Noah. And their uh, proximity to Noah was their righteousness also. And the Israelites needed to remember that. If they drew near to God, if they drew near to a holy priesthood, if they drew near to holy kings, to holy leaders, to the law itself, to the examples of Abraham and Moses, to the good examples, well, their proximity then to the holiness of God would be their salvation. But if they drew near to the nations, if they drew near to the problems and the sins of life and sins of the earth, I should say, uh, then they will find judgment also. In this chapter, I also want to notice that the emphasis of all the living creatures, I think, tells the Israelites something too. It's not uncommon in other parts of Scripture to symbolize all nations, all kinds of people, by uh, all kinds of animals. And so it's common for animals to often represent types of peoples uh, in the Psalms and in the prophets. 
uh, dangerous people are often referred to as dangerous animals, you know, predatory animals. Uh, innocent people are often referred to as innocent animals, clean animals, lambs, sheep, things like that. So here we have all the animals finding a place of salvation on the ark. I think this is meant to tell the Israelites something about God's intentions even for mankind. That though the Israelites were like Noah in that they were given the instructions, Noah is very much like Moses, given the blueprints shown how he is to build, and then his family, who draw near to him, help him build, and then they are able to enter into this ark. The nation of Israel, too, if they draw near to Moses, if they draw near to the law, and they build a system, a nation, a priesthood, a tabernacle, etc., if they build that system in obedience according to the blueprints God showed them, they can be saved. But what was the purpose of that? Throughout the law, one of the primary ingredients is that they would be lights unto the nations, that there would be other people dwelling with them, other sojourners, foreigners, aliens residing with them, God-fearers. The intent of God all along was to bring Gentiles unto himself, and I think we see a sample of that here, in that all the animals, not just the clean ones, all the animals had a chance to come here to salvation. And this was God's intent. He wants all people of all nations to come to him. And in the gospel, in the church, we do find similar things said. That the whole world is going to be impacted and affected. The prophets talk about how uh, through uh, God's chosen people would be dominant over all nations and would bring them in subjection. Well, this is found in the gospel as we, uh, today, subject ourselves to the gospel and become God's holy people. We are showing that God is, the power of Jesus Christ is uh, dominant over us of the nations. We find samples of this, let's say, in Acts chapter 2, where you've got Israelites who come from a full variety of nations and backgrounds, and they come there to Pentecost and are incorporated into the church, and the rest of the book of Acts describes how the, the gospel disperses as well. So you get similar concepts here, where God is foreshadowing things later to come, a judgment that he is preparing, but in that judgment there is also salvation to those who will draw near to God, draw near to his blueprints, and he will save them. Noah was not saved because he was so good of a builder. He was not saved because he did a perfect job building the ark in a, in a physical sense. He was saved because he trusted God. He was saved because of his faith. He was saved because he did his absolute hardest to do what God wanted him to do. And God saved him. It's clear here that this is due to God's grace that he found mercy in the sight of God. May we find mercy in the sight of God today as we draw near to him with our full hearts.